0: Hi, and welcome to the Savvy Social Hour Podcast. This show is for female biz babes looking to uplevel their business and become rockstar entrepreneurs in no time. I'm your host, Jenny, and I'm so excited to chat with you about today's episode. Let's get right into it. Hey, Savvies. Welcome back to another episode of the Savvy Social Hour Podcast. I'm here today with Sam Gale. Sam is the founder of Regal Media, a boutique marketing agency based in the UK, specializing in content and strategy. With nearly a decade of marketing experience, Sam found herself hopping from one word of mouth client to the next, none of whom were her target client and none of whom valued the expertise she had accumulated. So in 2018, she decided to brand herself and her team as an agency in order to reach her ideal client. In just six months, she doubled her revenue and quadrupled her client base while working just four days a week. So I'm so excited to have Sam here to chat today all about her transition from freelancer to business owner slash agency. So let's dive right in. Hey Sam, welcome to the show. I'm so excited that you're here and I cannot wait to chat more about your journey from going from freelancer to a business owner today. So before we dive into the episode, um, tell us a little about yourself and your business and just how you got started doing it all. Hi, yes. I'm so excited to be
1: on. Um, Yeah, so basically, I have been working in marketing forever, for about 10 years. Um, Basically, I've been doing social media marketing for as long as social media marketing has been a thing. It started in 2008 when I made my youth group a MySpace page. (laughs) Um, So definitely been at it since then. Even during college, I had freelance clients to help pay for college and... Then immediately after college, went to work for um, a couple of big agencies in Atlanta. I worked for a couple brands there as well. Um, and then I moved to the UK in 2015 to get my master's degree in creative writing, not in marketing, but they definitely have gone hand in hand for me. And in uh, uh, on Christmas Eve 2016, I moved down to Bournemouth, um, which is on the south coast of England. Uh, to move in with my fiance. And for the first time in my life, I was fully self-employed. I had been doing freelance work on the side throughout my career up until that point, but I had never been fully self-employed. And so that was when I became a full-time freelancer. And I did that for a while. I did a little bit of copywriting. I did some social media management, but it was all word of mouth stuff. So it was just sort of whatever came my way and it was fine. I had plenty of work. Um, I, you know, I did pretty well, but earlier this year in 2018, I just sort of looked at the work I was doing and I said, these aren't the clients I want to be working with. I want to be working with small businesses. I want to be working with local businesses. I want to be working with entrepreneurs. And so I made the decision to brand myself as a company instead of as an individual so that I had a platform from which to go after the clients that I wanted to be working with. And I've never looked back. So I am now not just Sam Gale, I am Regale Media, and it means that I've got um, a small but mighty team of contractors that help me out with various things, Um, and I work with small business owners and entrepreneurs, helping them grow not just their marketing, but actually
0: their day-to-day livelihood, Mm -hmm. so it's really cool. Yeah, that's exciting. So, you know, you kind of said you started freelancing in school and things like that. How did you discover the world of freelancing? Because, you know, back then, like you said, in 2008, and, you know, when you started the MySpace page and things like that, it wasn't as popular to be a freelancer. So how did you kind of come across like, oh, wow, I can do work remotely um, for people and things like that? Yeah.
1: Well, I think that that really started it. Um Like I said, I made my youth group a MySpace page, and it got people turning up. And I just did that for free, just for fun. I thought it was fun to sort of be in control of that since I was a part of it as well. Um, And then when I went to college, one of my professors I became pretty close with, and her husband had written a book that he was having trouble selling because he had self-published it. He was another academic. And so I said, I feel like we could sell this on social media and so he agreed to give me basically royalties on his book, part of his royalties for every um, book that I sold from social media and so that was right around the time that you started being able to use specific kind of links and be able to actually see where traffic was coming from Mm -hmm. and so I was able to show how many people were clicking to his website from social media and made some of his royalties from that. And then that sort of just gave way to other people in the community. I went to college in a small town in North Carolina and so, um, very tight knit community. And so once one person had gotten this work, other people were like, Oh, Hey, this is working for them. Maybe I want to get in on that too. And so it was really good because it, it built my confidence. And so then when I did graduate and I went to go look at other jobs, um, at agencies and with brands, I was like, I already know that I can do this. I already have a proven track record. I'm not like the the other people that are graduating from college and don't have that. That's not to say that those people weren't just as qualified, but I had a little bit of a leg up, and so that was really nice. Yeah, I think
0: that would be really, really helpful. Um, I actually didn't discover, like, the world of, like, freelancing and, like, you know, being your own boss and things like that until, like, after graduation and stuff, just because um, I mean, I graduated in twenty fourteen from college, but still like it just wasn't really on my radar because it wasn't super popular at that point. And now I feel like everyone's like, I wanna work from home and you know, I wanna be my own boss. But that wasn't like how it was a few years ago. Yeah. So it's really interesting to see how things have evolved. So you you said that you that you started, you know, not really wanting to work with the clients that you're working for and you want to kind of be able to pick and choose your own clients, which I completely understand. But other than that, like, are there any other things that kind of made you want to have your own business and, you know, brand it as, you know, a company versus just being a freelancer and you're like printing it as you?
1: Yeah, I think there were a lot of contributing factors. I mean, one thing that you just said, actually, is a big contributing factor. There are a lot of people out there that are like, I want to work from home, and therefore, what can I learn that will make me be able to work from home? Uh, Social media, sure. And that's fine. That's amazing. I'm a part of a really good membership, actually, uh, a Facebook group with a bunch of people that are just learning social media management, and that's incredible, and it's so helpful, and they're helping business owners in their area, and that's great. But... I have 10 years of experience that they don't have. And so it was really important to me to be able to demonstrate that. Um, And I felt that the best way to do that was to brand myself as a company so that I could sort of put that expertise on display a little bit more because it's one thing to approach someone as a freelancer and they don't necessarily know the difference right away between you and the person that just started. Whereas Mm -hmm. if I go forward as an agency, there is an inherent respect for that. It sort of gives you this credibility that you may not otherwise have. Um, There are a lot of sort of responsibilities. You have to follow up on that, but that was a big part of it. And then also the ability to outsource things. Um, So as more of a full service provider, I had, there are a lot of strategies uh within my clients marketing strategies a lot of parts of their strategies that i don't provide those services and as a freelancer they sort of expect that any work they're paying you for you're doing whereas as an agency or as a brand it's a little bit more acceptable for me to outsource those things it's exactly the same thing it's still just me sitting in my spare room finding a person that I know does this really well, and paying them to do it. But for some reason, it's more acceptable when I'm a brand versus when I'm a freelancer. And I really like being able to partner with people who are working in their zone of genius and can, you know, kick butt on a campaign that I probably would have struggled at a little bit. Um, Facebook ads, not my expertise, and I just today met with a guy who is really good at Facebook ads and he really loves it. And I can comfortably outsource those to him because the clients aren't expecting that I'm doing everything myself because I'm not just a person. I'm a brand.
0: Yeah, no, that makes so much sense. And I'm on the same path. I do have a couple of contractors that work for me and, you know, I offer certain services and if, you know, it's something that's out of my realm, then I will try to find someone um, and either like, Do some kind of referral credit so I still get like money for finding that lead or, you know, have them join my um, subcontractor list briefly to complete this project. So I'm not like completely losing the client. Because, you know, if you found the client and they're interested in working with you, why? hand it off to someone else if you're not going to yeah. get a for it. So.
1: Which is becoming more acceptable, especially now with the rise of the personal brand. So you have these people, especially like in the marketing world, you've got Jasmine Star, you've got Amy Porterfield, you've got all of these sort of big names that you know they have teams working for them, that's Mm -hmm. not a secret, Mm -hmm. and you know that they outsource, they're open about that fact, and that's okay. And so it is becoming more acceptable. But I do think to the average business owner, especially since I have been doing this for so long, there have been times when they found out that I'm outsourcing something, And they get really upset about it because they're like, oh, I should just be paying that person. And the assumption for them is if you are outsourcing it, that means you're charging more for it than it should actually cost. Mm -hmm. And so being a brand seems to combat that objection a little bit and obviously anything you can do to combat client objections is
0: a win (laughs) yeah i totally agree and i always like am up front like i'll tell them like if they're inquiring about pinterest management which is my core service then they're working with me most likely 100 percent. unless i'm like booked out and then i find another Pinterest manager to help them but like for other things if it's like um you know virtual assistant services i tell them like hey might someone on my team will actually help you with this and then we have like an asana where I will assign that person to that task and they'll see it. So we'll know who they're working with and they can, you know, kind of communicate with them, but they're like also mainly communicating with me, but they're just like, Hey, I need this to be done. So it's still like they're, they're knowing, they know that someone else is doing the work and they're aware of it, but it, so it's not like secretive or anything. Yeah, I feel like
1: that yeah might- exactly. And that's, I am so glad that that's becoming, you know, more acceptable because it is, that's how you get clients, the service that will provide them the most value is by bringing in the right people and people should get credit for the valuable work that they're doing. So it's amazing that we're finally getting to a point in the freelancing community where it is acceptable to be like, oh yeah, I am outsourcing this to someone else because they're really good at it and can provide value in this situation
0: yeah very true and then it also helps us because we're able to scale our businesses up instead of only being able to take on like five to ten clients depending on exactly work. so yeah like you don't have exactly. to get the that monthly income cap
1: which was another reason scalability that i decided to brand myself as a company because like you said it just allows you to scale it allows you to bring on a team if i decide i want to be a company someday or if i decide to build a company and then one day step back from it. It can still, it can still survive without me. And because it doesn't have my name on it anymore. And that, yeah. I think that's a really beautiful thing. And it is, it does still kind of have my name. It's Regale Media and my surname is Gail, but yeah. it's, um, but it is separate from me and it has its own meaning. Regale means to tell a story and I'm all about telling brand stories and, So it can have a life of its own. It can be um, its own personality within the marketing for my company. It just sort of, it takes on a life of its own beyond just me.
0: Yeah. And I think it kind of takes the pressure away from you too, because you're not always having to be at the forefront of everything that is done, which is, I feel like a lot of people have that because they're so personally attached to their brand because it's their name. They're always the one you know, on Instagram stories and things like that. But when you have like a brand that is not all about you, you don't need to be behind the camera 24 seven. I mean, it's still important to showcase yourself if you are like the main person doing the things, but it's not as much pressure, I think.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it is still me. I am still just yeah. one person, but if in the future I am able to bring someone on to do that kind of thing, no one's gonna feel cheated because of that because it's not got my name on it, it's a separate brand, it's its own entity, so.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So kind of, you already kind of addressed some of this, but how do we know when it's time to make the switch from like, you know, just being a freelancer to potentially um, having an agency model?
1: Yeah, so I think that one of the biggest things to consider is sort of the breadth of your knowledge within the digital marketing world. So, like I said, I have a decade of experience in marketing and I've worked on a lot of different types of campaigns from like mobile display ads, when those were first becoming a thing, to pay-per-click, to SEO, to social media, to influencer marketing, all sorts of things. I've worked in all of those things. I have specialties. I am a content specialist. I'm a strategy specialist. So writing and social media management are the two things that I really try to focus on in my business. But because I'm working with small business owners, a lot of times they want a full service experience. They want the web design. They want pay-per-click. They want this, that, and the other. And if you're going to brand yourself as an agency, you need to have enough of an understanding of those things Mm -hmm. to be able to piece them together. You do not need to know how to do those things. I could not go off and create an effective pay-per-click campaign right now. I could try to piece something together, but it would not perform that well. But (laughs) um, I know enough about it to incorporate it appropriately into a strategy and to know if it It should be part of the ideal strategy for a client. So I think that if that is something that you're after, if the idea of an agency model appeals to you, then definitely, definitely start educating yourself on those things. Find, um, I've got one particular membership that I love and will recommend to everyone, and it's Digital Marketer, um, because they have some of the only industry recognized certifications um and they have just all kinds of courses and workshops and things like that that will teach you just every single area of digital marketing and if you go in and you learn all of that then you might actually be able to implement some of these things but you'll at least have a working knowledge of them so that you can piece together effective multi-channel multi-strategy campaigns for your clients. I think that's a really, really big part of it. And then also, do your clients care? My clients cared, my target clients, they cared, and that was part of why I did it. Um, If you're already working with the kinds of clients you wanna work with, because personal brands have become a thing, You can just kind of keep doing that and just keep outsourcing things below you and scale your business that way. You don't have to move to calling yourself something else. You don't have to move to pretending to be an agency or actually becoming an agency or anything like that if you already have the client base that you want. But for me, I needed to move into this structure in order to get the kind of clients that I wanted to be working with. I liked my clients before, but they were big corporations. They were all up in London. They were massive companies with offices all over the place. And that's not who I wanted to target. And so a shift was necessary in order for me to do that. I'm sort of of the, if it ain't broke, don't fix it.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um, School of thought when it comes to things like that. So if you're already working with clients you want to work with, you don't necessarily need to transfer, but if you do, want to transfer to this kind of structure, definitely make sure you have the education and the knowledge to be able to piece together effective multi-channel campaigns.
0: Yeah. And I think it's also important to keep in mind like that once you are doing these types of things, you kind of need to know a little bit about team management as well, because you need to be able to communicate with the client, communicate with the person that is actually performing the work and make sure that you know, that's solid because communicating one-on-one with a client is completely different than, you know, you plus another person that's actually performing the work. So, you know, being a good team manager and having those good communication skills is essential. And I think it's something people struggle with when they're first starting to become an agency because they're not used to it. They're just, you know, used to communicating one-on-one with the client and that's it. But when another person becomes involved, then you definitely have to get more in depth. And then also like For me, a lot of the things that people do, um, it's stuff I know how to do and like I've done in the past, but I'm just outsourcing it because my client roster is too full, but I want to keep that person under me. So I know how to do work and I just tell them and list off every single thing that they need to do for this specific task. And then it's a matter of, you know, reviewing and things like that. So you kind of need to be um, okay with, having to review people's work and things like that until you get really comfortable with them and know that they're going to be doing things properly as well. Definitely.
1: And I think that a really important thing to talk about here is being honest with yourself about where you're at. Because I think that we live in a world with social media and things like that where you see really young people succeeding really quickly, or at least it seems like they're succeeding really quickly. And you have shows like Gossip Girl where Blair Waldorf has a... A fashion empire at the age of 20 and stuff like that and it's really hard to go in and be like I know I'm really good at this I know I can do this and want to scale really really quickly Mm -hmm. and I am still in my 20s like I'm not you know old by any stretch of the imagination but if you had told me at 23 okay cool now's the time go ahead and be an agency I would not have been ready for that. It would not have been something I could have done. I didn't have the people management skills. I didn't have the experience. And that's okay. Don't try to rush it because there is something really beautiful about being able to be a little bit more flexible as a freelancer. And it is a massive switch and it's a massive responsibility to take on. And that's not to say that a young person can't be ready for that, but Just be really honest with yourself about where you're at because no one expects you to do that um if it's a goal that you have then the best thing you can do for yourself is to be honest about whether or not you're ready for it and if you're not take a good hard look figure out the areas you need to work on is it your expertise is it your people management skills is it the fact that you don't actually know if you have either of those other things and you need to go and do some learning on that and then grow those things as quickly and as well as you can. Get feedback from other people. Find mentors in the industry and they'll help let you know if you're on the right track. I also am a huge advocate of business coaches. So if you're setting up a business, even just as a freelancer, even if it's just personal brand, and I don't mean to say just as if that's a small thing, if you're setting up any kind of business, then a really good business coach will be able to help you make informed decisions like that.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with pretty much everything you stated here. I mean, it's like people, since they are seeing these people who are really successful, that maybe you know, age or younger than them, they definitely are get in that funk where they're like, oh my gosh, like I need to be doing more because XYZ person over here is making 30K months and they're 22. You know, so it's one of those things yeah. that they get in their head and then they try to rush it, you know, or the people that are working, full-time job still. They try to rush their business because they're like, well, all these people are self-employed. I want to be self-employed too. And then they quit their job before they're ready, before they have the finances in place, all those things. And then they end up having to go back to a their job because they weren't prepared for, you know, being their own boss. And, you know, they can set the foundation beforehand. And that's something you really need to do. Um, you know, whether you're going from um full-time job to self-employment or from being self-employed, but you know, taking on your own clients and restructuring into being an agency.
1: Yeah, definitely. And also I think that it's important to say that if you decide to quit your job and be a freelancer and then you have to go back and get a job again, that is not a failure. Yeah. That is not a failure. I have been there. I took in the when I was A freelancer before I decided to make myself a company, I took on a part-time job um, in the marketing department of a company here Mm -hmm. because I wanted a little bit more predictability in my income from month to month. And so that is not a failure. It is an opportunity for you to learn. It is an opportunity for you to collaborate and to be around people and not just be sitting in your pajamas in your spare room doing work on your laptop. It's a growth opportunity and it is not a failure and it's not a setback it's just a part of the story
0: so. yeah I definitely agree with that and even like for me what I did is I went from being full-time employed then I dropped down to part-time hours on my job and then I went to being a um, self-employed person because I wanted to still be making that consistent part-time income from the job but also have the time to work on my own things. I think I had like two days off and then I would work, um, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So I had like Tuesday, Thursday off. So it really helped me kind of get, start getting in those clients when I was just working part-time instead of like trying to be full-time, go straight self-employed and be like, Oh my God, how am I going to get all these clients to make up my income?
1: Yeah. I, and the gig economy is a real thing. Like it is, getting to a point where more and more people are self-employed, and are just doing different things for different people, rather than having traditional nine-to-five full-time jobs. And that's, I think it's a great thing. I think it's amazing to have people working in their zone of genius for as many people as possible. Um, Obviously, there will always be people working at these companies there's got to be someone to hire us freelancers but yes, exactly. <laughs> you know we we can hire each other so it's fine <laughs> but it's the gig economy it's real and it is making it easier to feel comfortable quitting the job and I I also think that it's important to remember that it's not Quitting a job. It's choosing a new job. It is still very much a job. Yeah. Maybe more flexibility. But you actually will probably find that you are working more hours than you were at your salaried job.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was the case for me for sure.
1: And Oh, definitely for me too.
0: And I don't <laughs> mind it, but it's just funny because people are like, it's so flexible, like before you start. like, yeah, it's more flexible. Like I don't have to wake up at 6 a.m. to get to my job by 8, things like that. But at the same time, it's like you are working more hours. Yeah. You really need to have that, you know, work-life balance as to where you're like, okay, I need to stop working. And especially on weekends, because a lot of people will just work straight for the weekend and then you just have a break and then you get burnt out. So,
1: yeah, uh, we don't have any social plans this weekend. And I was sitting there going, oh, great. So I've got all this time I could do work and I could do this, 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 this. And my fiance is like, Oh, we should go do this and go do this, and I'm like, oh yeah, I probably, I probably should do fun things on the weekend and not just work.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really hard to balance, especially since like your office is probably only like two hundred feet away from your living space. So it's really- oh yeah,
1: I'm on the other side of the wall from my bedroom, so it's get <laughs> yeah, up,
0: yeah. roll out of bed, roll into the office. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. So it's just like finding that work life balance and you know making sure that you know even though it is flexible, you're still able to maintain some semblance of a real life. Like I'm actually going on my first vacation in a long time uh in a next Wednesday. So um oh, I love life. taking all the preparations for that was insane. I'm like, wow, I feel like people at a regular nine to five do not need to take all these things. But I'm like scheduling out my client work for like two weeks. Which, oh
1: yeah, that is a huge consideration. Yeah. I mean, We're going to Japan for two weeks in November and I'm like, what the heck am I going to do with all of my client work at that time? I've got all this, like all the social media posts, I'm going to have to schedule all of those yeah. beforehand and stuff yeah. like that. It's, it's a lot. It's something to think about. I think there's now even people whose entire jobs are to take over freelancers businesses for the weeks that they're on holiday. Oh, really? um, I know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like <laughs> looking into
0: that. I'm like, Oh,
1: let me hit up one of these people.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I just do Pinterest now for the most part. So it wasn't so bad. I've just scheduled like two weeks in advance because after that we're also moving. Um, into a house, oh, like wow. a house. So yeah, I was like, I just scheduled for the next two weeks or I'm in the process of doing that still. Um, and, and man, it's just very time consuming, but it, it'll be a relaxing vacation because I won't even touch my computer. I haven't had a vacation where I didn't touch my computer and since I started, really. so
1: yeah, I had my first one. It was a long weekend for my birthday a few weeks ago, and I didn't touch my computer. We, I think we watched TV on my computer during a rainy night, and that was it, and it was amazing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it feels good once you're, like, there, but the preparation is just crazy. Yeah,
1: but you definitely, when you have a full-time job, you take for granted the fact that you can just go
0: on vacation and unplug. Yeah, exactly. Like, you just put up your away message um, on your email, and then people are like, okay, well, they won't be responding to me for seven days, so cool. Yeah. <laughs> If I didn't respond to my clients for seven days and just disappeared, they would be like, "Uh, are you alive?" Yeah,
1: (laughs) exactly. They'd be like, even if you had an
0: out of office on, they'd be like, where are you? (laughs) Seriously. But yeah. So what are some of the pros and cons of, you know, freelancing and working for other companies? Um, You know, not necessarily with your ideal clients, but, you know, still working as a self-employed person, but still like contracting.
1: Um, I think that the pros of the way that I was doing it before, well, first of all, marketing yourself takes a lot of time and energy. Yeah. And I know that because I do it for other people all the time, but you really don't think about it until you're doing it. And you're like, wow, I'm another client and not just another client. I'm my own biggest client. And it's, Mm -hmm. it takes so much time to write content and to, you know, write social media posts, take photos. I have to like constantly be asking my friends to take pictures of me for my, in- for my company, Instagram. It's ridiculous. And it's, you don't have to think about that kind of thing when you're just freelancing, doing word of mouth, things like that. Um, I did, I was lucky enough to have work coming in consistently. I think that a lot of people, um, might not be so lucky if they're relying just on word of mouth. Um, I was incredibly fortunate in that case. Um, and I had a couple of really big clients that sort of carried me through. I didn't have to worry about finding lots of little clients. Um, but the cons of that were I wasn't getting to really choose who I was working with. I sort of took what come to what came to me Mm -hmm. and I, you know, I just had to, I had to do work. I wasn't passionate about. I had to do work that wasn't Um, with a company that was my ideal client and that really does I mean it sort of seems like a silly thing to complain about because I had work and I was getting paid and that's very true but you know you get to a point when you've done that where you think is there a way that I could be doing this for people that I would prefer to work with so definitely the pros of working Uh, with these clients and having this structure would be um, being able to be more involved in the overall strategy side of things. I think that being branded as an agency, people are definitely more willing to listen to my thoughts on strategy and actually to the point that I've just launched a strategy coaching service. It's called the marketing mentor and it's $135 a month for a custom strategy because people, they want that from me because I'm not just a freelancer, I'm an agency, I'm someone with lots of experience and can actually tell them what they should be doing across the board on their marketing, not just in this one area that I was recommended to them for.
0: Yeah. for sure. Um,
1: yeah. And it means that I'm getting to work with people that I'm passionate about. So I personally am passionate about working with small business owners, local business owners. I like going to their place of business. I like seeing how, you know, that click from Facebook is like putting food on their table. Like it's a very tangible effect of the marketing success. Um, with small business owners every little bit makes such a big difference whereas when you work with these giant businesses they'll be like oh yeah let's just throw a hundred thousand dollars at this ad campaign like it's <laughs> nothing and that's you know yeah. more money than some small business owners would see in a couple of years and exactly it's it just it the stakes are a little bit higher I would say that you know depending on what kind of person you are that could be a pro or a con it definitely keeps you on your toes you have to be so good at what you're doing you really have to be doing your best because these people are really depending on you to do your best
0: yeah I definitely agree with that um so when you were doing your freelancing before were you using sites like Upwork and things like that to find your clients or how were you kind of I wasn't I had a couple that I
1: found through job postings um I would just occasionally go on LinkedIn and just search freelance or Um, The site here is called Indeed, um, and I would just search for freelance stuff. But um, for the most part, it was just word of mouth kind of stuff. I've got a lot of friends in the marketing world, um, both in the U.S. and here in the U.K. And yeah, so I wasn't really on those. I think I have a Fiverr account now, but I don't log into it (laughs) unless it's to hire other people. Um, And Upwork as well, I use that to hire um, other freelancers when I need someone to step in and help me out a little bit. But I never used them for myself. I think that they are... An issue that I find with those sites is that they promote this idea of you get a very specific thing for a very specific amount of money. And I'm very much like a you know, oh yeah, you'll get this general deliverable, like, I'll write you a 500 to 750 word blog post, whatever, however long it takes me to research, however many words it ends up being, this is the flat rate that it's going to be. And I prefer to work like that. And that, I just think there's an element of trust there. Like, you've got to trust me that I'm not going to like do the bare minimum. And I'm going to trust you enough to know that you're going to pay me and therefore I'm going to put as much of myself into it as I can. I just like to do the best job that I can. And I don't think that those sites cultivate that kind of attitude toward the work. I think it's very much like a, no, I'm charging you this much per word and this much per hour and that is it. There's not very much flexibility there and I'm all about flexibility and, you know, doing the right thing for the right client
0: at the right time. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. And another thing is like with those websites, since like you can set whatever you want your price to be, there are people that are not in countries like the United States or the UK and things like that, that set their rates really low because their cost of living is a lot lower. So then they end up hiring these people with these extremely low rates. And then, you know, that kind of puts you out of the running because you are going to be more likely more expensive.
1: Yeah, I actually got burnt on that recently. I was working on a project with uh, someone who said, you know, the idea was that it was going to turn into ongoing work. And I created the whole strategy, created all of the supporting documents to make it happen moving forward. And then she went on Upwork and found someone in some country that would do it for half the price. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, yeah, you can go with this person who is using Google Translate to respond to you um, to write all of your marketing content. Sure. You can do that and they will charge half the price, but you know, and maybe some of those people are really good. That's great, but it is really hard to compete with that. And there's not, um, I kind of just find that the clients that would tend to go looking for the cheapest price are just not the clients that I want to be working with. I mean, my clients are budget conscious. They're small business owners, but they trust my expertise and they trust that they're getting what they
0: pay for. Yeah, and I totally agree with that. And there's a time and place for those, you know, lower price things. Like, I do have a couple of BAs that are in the Philippines, and they do great work, um, but I don't really, like, require them to do any types of writing. They just do very basic minimum stuff for me, and, you know, they do well, and I pay them decently. I pay them more than they even request, you know, but it's just, like, it's great for cool. design as well. I've
1: had a couple of really good, like, lead magnets designed by um the sort of
0: lower price. Yeah. Yeah. I mean you're not gonna give them high strategy work is what yeah, that's that's how I look at it. Like, you know, I have a couple that do more mindless tasks for me, and then I have people in like the US and things like that that do things that are a little more advanced for me. And it's not that I don't trust them, but it's just there's a language barrier and things like that. So. there's
1: a language barrier and then there's also something to be said for doing something with someone as far as the high strategy work that you can have a conversation with and that you can collaborate with. And if I were living in the Philippines or living in Bangladesh or somewhere like that, I would probably want to hire an expert there because mm-hmm. I could collaborate with them and it could be, yeah. you know, a process. Whereas you can't really do that as well over the internet, over a platform like Fiverr or Upwork. So it's not, it's not very collaborative. So you do have to do more task-based Things. And I don't personally believe that content creation should feel so task-based. I think no, it be yeah, I completely collaborative, and that's why that's why I've tended to stay away from those. However, I know a lot of freelancers who, when starting out, find Upwork to be really helpful for finding clients. If they don't know people in the marketing world, if they don't know lots of business owners then it can be a really good place to start and to get testimonials and to get experience before trying to branch out to other
0: platforms exactly and i actually teach social media managers like how to run their businesses and how to get established and things like that and that's the first thing i recommend like if they don't have any type of experience i just say like go to something like upwork or something and get those testimonials work with a couple people and then once that is complete, then you have those, ex- that experience under your belt. So you can start branching out and working with your own clients that you're interested in working with instead of, you know, on those websites, but it's just a good way to get your feet wet. And it's not something you would do like. Continue. Yeah.
1: So. Moving forward. Yeah. And a lot of people will tell you never do any work for free, but I actually have done told, uh, tons of work for free. Yeah. Um, No, When I'm learning something, you know, or if I, I think my first thing that I did here in the UK, I did for free because I was like, I just want to break into this market, you know, and I want to get a reference or something like that. If you trust the person, maybe write up an exchange of services contract or (laughs) write a contract that you're going to do this work and they're going to give you a review. Even if it's your friend, get used to the idea of putting together a contract or something like that. But yeah, do work for free, do exchange of services so that you can get experience, get a testimonial, get someone vouching for you, because that is what is going to make it easier for you moving forward, is to have those samples and have those
0: referrals. hmm yeah, I think that's really important. And like you said, a lot of people do advise against that. But I definitely don't. I also tell the people who are like social media managers or trying to become them. I tell them like take a couple of project based like clients for free. No don't take like monthly recurring projects for free. That's too much. Yeah. But just like maybe if they wanted you to do like a social media account audit. Or, you know, um, hashtag research or something. That's going to just be... Or
1: even time. write them, yeah, or even write them a month's worth of content. Something like that. But something that is, yeah, just one and done. And then... Exactly. If want to continue to use you, then they can pay you. Exactly. You know, just like, just showing them your skills. Stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. Showing them their skills is really important, especially when you don't have anything. And just doing it in exchange for a testimonial to say, hey, if I you know, do this work for you. Give me a testimonial. Like you said, kind of have a contract ready, um, just an exchange of services just to kind of get your feet wet and start, you know, making those connections. And, you know, if you do a really good job, I don't, I don't doubt that they will probably refer you out. So
1: exactly. Or even want to hire you themselves. Um, (laughs) I think the issue that you run into is when, cause I guess I'm not like this because I'm too, <laughs> I'm too cocky for it. But there are some people that are like, oh, I still don't know if I know what I'm doing. Have I, there was actually one girl in a Facebook group that I'm in recently who was like, I've taken on a few clients for free and I can't tell if I'm ready to start charging. And someone was like, how many clients have you done for free? And she's like, 22. Oh I'm like, oh, no, girl. Oh funny. girl. Yes, that's too many. You need to start charging. Can you please start making a living off of this? You have more clients than I have right now. Like you need to start charging money.
0: (laughs) I would say like three to five max. And once you get those testimonials, then, you know, start moving on to actually pay projects. Because yeah, like you said, you can't be working for free all the time. How are you gonna pay your bills? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Poor thing. Okay, well, she needs to work on her mindset, whoever that is.
1: Exactly. It's a confidence thing, I think. Uh, imposter syndrome is real, but yeah, no, and
0: I experience it too. There are some days where I'm like, I don't feel good today, like you know, I haven't booked any clients in a while, things like that. And then there's days where yeah. I'm making, I book like three clients in one day, and I'm like, whoa, what the heck? This is awesome, but at the same time, whoa, like slow down because yeah. <laughs> i have booking <a> room, <laughs> but. Yeah. That's one of those things. Um, and then what is one thing you kind of wish you would have known before fully diving into your own business and like stopping the whole freelancing thing?
1: Um, you know what? I think I was pretty ready. I think that I actually probably could have done it a little bit earlier, but I think that one thing that I probably, Oh, this is a really good question. (laughs) I, I think I probably wished that I would have had my systems
0: in place a little bit better. Okay.
1: So as a freelancer working with, I did have fewer clients as well, because now working with smaller businesses, they do tend to be um, lower retainers. And so of I have, have more of them. Um, when I was working with the bigger companies, it was more work for company. But mm-hmm. I, so it wasn't very difficult for me to, go through every time and create an individual invoice and proposals and stuff like that. I just wasn't having to do quite as much volume wise of that work. Um, And also I wasn't having to spend my time on marketing my business and things like that. So I had the time to devote to that. Um, But when I transitioned into this, I was still making all of my documents in Canva and stuff like that. And I wish that I had taken time to get, my systems as far as my proposals and my invoices and um, even email templates and things like that set up ahead of time so that I would have been a little bit more ready for the volume of clients I was gonna be taking on.
0: Yeah, I agree, I think that's really important and just something we overlook especially when we get so busy and bogged down with client work. We're like, oh, well, I really need to refine my client experience, but I just don't have time. And then the months go by and you still have the same materials being sent out or, you know, your process is only half automated instead of fully automated when you could make it fully automated. So it's just like one of those things that we kind of like put on the back burner because we're too busy, but it's like something that really helps us and will end up saving us time in the end, even though it does take some time to set up initially.
1: Yeah, definitely. There's like, you know, find one of these big programs. There are tons of them out there that do all of these things. They do the proposals, they do the invoices, they do um, contracts, all of those things, sort of all in one. And I think that one that seems to be really trendy at the moment is Dubsado. I haven't used it myself, but um, something like that. I wish that I had I had looked at a couple of them and I was just like, oh, this is too much of a beast. I can't deal with this right now. But I wish I would have just taken, you know, a couple of days and really just immersed myself in that and made it work. Because, yeah, half automated systems are useless because you're still having to manage them. You want things fully automated or what's the point? And so I wish, yeah, I wish that I would have taken the time to implement those things before... Mm -hmm.
0: launching yeah i totally get that dubzano is awesome by the way um you do get your first free client for first three clients for free so it's really cool because you get to play with the system before having to Mm -hmm. do something yeah so that's That's, what i actually use that and that's what i recommend nice so.
1: well there you go might have to might have to look into that might have to hire a VA to set it up for me for yeah anything, but. yeah it was
0: definitely like a learning curve setting up because there's so much you can do like canned emails and workflows and all the things but yeah. now that it's like set up it's like wow this is I needed this in my life like three years ago
1: and that's one thing my business coach really had me focus on that was actually one of the things that I did when I decided I was going to bring myself as a business was to hire my business coach, and I wish I had hired her even when I was a freelancer. But that was one of the things she had me focus on was systems. And she was telling me, she was like, "Oh, you should really do one of these things." And I was like, "No, I don't want to." No. But I totally should have. I went number of times in my life that I've said, "I wish I had listened to Stephanie." <laughs> it's ridiculous, <laughs> but um, this is this is one of them. I wish I had listened to Stephanie. So it is it is just a massive thing because you take granted, like, the amount of time that it's going to take to do all of those things. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, like, when you first set it up, it does take longer, but then after that, you don't ever have to do anything to it again unless you want to make yeah. some tweaks or you have new services or something. So it's not that... Um, yeah. People after exactly. Get- and if you think about it, big agencies, they
1: have people that work full-time doing that stuff, putting together proposals and invoicing and things like that. Like, they... Some of them will have a full-time person whose job it is to do that for all of the clients. I had I worked for an agency in Atlanta that had fewer clients than I have right now. And they had a person who did that stuff full-time. And yes, these were obviously much bigger accounts and probably more nuanced. They had more nuanced billing, mm-hmm. lots of forms to fill out, things like that. But if you think of it that way, then it sort of helps prepare you for how important that set of systems is to your business, how essential it's going to be, especially if you're going to be subcontracting out to other people, because then you have to be paying those people. They have to invoice you. You have to do your accounting and your bookkeeping and all of this stuff. If you're self-employed, you have to track your business expenses so that you can claim them back on taxes and things like that. It's all very, there's a lot of things that if you don't have a system for it, they'll just get away from you and then you'll never do them. and you'll suffer for it
0: yeah definitely it's definitely essential to get that before because like like we've been mentioning like it's just crucial and you know taking a few hours to set up each different tool can save you so many hours in the long run so might as well do it yeah definitely so let's dive into the three questions I ask everyone who comes onto the show so what does it mean for you to be an entrepreneur and what is your favorite part about it
1: So my favorite part about it is definitely all of the business owners that I get to work with. Actually, just today, I had a great meeting with a potential new client who is a graphic designer, and I just sat down with her, and we just laughed together for like 20 minutes, and it was just a conversation that I never would have had with, you know, someone from a big corporate company or something like that it was just a really good like person-to-person conversation and I love the people that I get to work with as a part of it and the other entrepreneurs that I get to collaborate with as well I love 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 my Instagram engagement girl she is we keep joking that we should start a podcast because our phone conversations are just hilarious and so much fun and So I love the people I get to work with and what it means to me to be an entrepreneur. It really is about that flexibility. I mean, we talked about that you do end up working more hours than when you were in a nine to five, but you get to choose that and you get to choose your level of um, your level of work, you get to choose how much you're working, you get to choose when you're working, you get to choose where you're working, all sorts of things. I can go and work from a coffee shop if I want to, or I worked from a co-working space for a while, or I can work from my home office that I've recently redone, that kind of thing. Um, I, when I first moved to Bournemouth on the south coast of the UK, I didn't know anyone here. And I actually struggled with my mental health for a little while. And it was really, really valuable to me to be able to take days off if I needed to without having to call in sick to someone, um, yeah. to be able to sleep in if I needed to or something like that. And it it made it so that I had the freedom to do that. I didn't have to feel guilty about that. Um, I know a lot of people that are moms that really enjoy being freelancers because they have the flexibility to be with their kids. And I don't have kids myself, but building my own business, I know that one day I will have the flexibility for that. So it's really all about choice. It's about being in control of
0: your own life. So maybe that makes me a control freak, but sorry, not sorry. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That is so true. So what is your favorite tool that you use in your business? Um, just one that you couldn't live without.
1: I am going to have to say Airtable. So this is actually a fairly new discovery for me. One of my clients was like, let's use Airtable. And I was like, what the heck is that? (laughs) It's basically, I use, I have been using Google drive for pretty much everything for spreadsheets to collaborate and things like that. But Airtable is so great because you can upload attachments, For each row. You can do long form things. You can do multiple selection, just like any type of form field possible in a spreadsheet. It's so versatile. It's the best for content creation. So I can go in and have the date. I can have long form content. I can have different versions for different platforms. I can upload the image and it's not going to like show up weird in the spreadsheet or make the cells a weird size. It's amazing and it's free which is my favorite word when it comes to marketing tools because you can spend a lot of money on marketing tools and this one is so free
0: yes I'm the same way I love free tools like you know anytime something is like free I'm all about it because I spend so much money on all my other tools I'm like whenever I get that one that is a gem that's free I'm like yep uh, this is yes. the best. Ever. Um, yeah, I heard great things about Airtable. I actually just signed up yesterday, Um, but I logged in and I was like, "What the heck is this?" I was very overwhelmed, so <laughs> that I quickly exited out. But I think I need to like look at some tutorials and kind of figure out how to use it. Um, I use Asana right now, so I use
1: Asana as well, and that is a big one for me. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: I didn't know if that would be like
0: a replacement or something, but yeah, Asana. Is- no,
1: I use them together because I just think that. I would link to an Airtable spreadsheet within Asana. I don't get quite as, like, deep into Asana as some people do, but um, I think that they can be used in conjunction. And, again, if it's free, then there's no harm in using both. I think it's when you're paying for tools that are a bit redundant that it becomes an issue, but they're free. Go for it. Donuts. Donuts.
0: It's the same thing. I'll be happy about it. So, yeah, yeah, it's great when they're both free and then, like, some – better features than the other ones. You can just kind of use one for whatever you need and use the other one for the, yeah. Thing that it's lacking. And then, yeah, the-, the only, Oh, sorry. Oh no, I- no, worries. no worries. Continue.
1: Um, I was going to say the only tools that I pay for in my business are Planoly for Instagram and Tailwind for Pinterest. Mm-hmm. Um, everything else I use free programs. I use Google drive for file sharing. I use native Facebook for scheduling on Facebook. I use, Tweet deck for Twitter, um, yeah, I use Asana, the free version of Asana, I use Airtable, I use Google Drive, those are all free, it's just Planoly and Tailwind, those are the only things that I pay for, and I have to pay for, obviously because I have clients on them, I have to pay for the bigger, <laughs> the bigger packages.
0: Yeah, well so. that's cool, I mean, I have so many expenses, what do you do for like accounting? Um,
1: so my fiance is an accountant and every time I try to sign up for like the shiny new accounting tool, he's like, oh, you could totally do that in Excel. (laughs) So I always, I always say, okay, then build me the Excel document that does this. That that sounds like my husband
0: so much. He, (laughs) he, he's a recovering accountant. Now he's in finance, but he still does that. And I'm like, oh my God, Michael, no, this is so much easier for me. I hate Excel. Like don't make me do this. Yeah. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, that's just it. I used to use the software. You need a budget for like my personal budgeting, and yeah. I love it. The user interface is great; it's very intuitive. And he was like, "This is just a fancy Excel spreadsheet." And because since I'm in the UK, it didn't link up to my bank account, so I was entering things manually, and so it was basically just fancy Excel. Yeah. sheet. I liked it, and it wasn't that expensive. But he was like, "I could just make this for you in Excel."
0: Mm-hmm. I was like, Fine. Oh my Got to <laughs> 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 choose your battles. <laughs> Well, well, what about for, like, invoicing and stuff? Do you just
1: use, like, PayPal or something? Yeah, so I need to get my invoicing systems a little bit better. If I'm working with international clients, I use PayPal, but when I'm creating the actual physical invoice, I actually do that in Canva and then save it as a PDF because it's got my branding and everything on it. Um, that is something that I it takes me too long in Canva, so I <laughs> would like to get that. If I end up using something like Debsado, then that's obviously a part of it. And so yeah, that would
0: you definitely easier. should check it out because they have <laughs> and stuff, and they have like ways to track your like income and expenses and stuff without having to pay anything additional. I actually use something in addition to Desoto for accounting, just because um, yeah. I don't really prefer their stuff. But I use FreshBooks, which is great, too. But that i yeah. that's why I, like, track my freelancers' time and how they're able to invoice me directly from that, too. So it helps me out. But, um, you know, if you don't want to pay, there's definitely ways to go go about it. Yeah. But I am just – I'm one of those people that i like, I want this all in one place. So that's how yeah. I do it. But Yeah. And then lastly, who is your go-to business resource?
1: So as – A marketing provider my business resources that I go to for learning how to be a better marketing provider are like I said digital marketer Um, I pay decent money for their membership I think it's like 79 or 99 dollars a month but you get access to all of their courses which go for like $500 each get access to all of their execution plans things like that and they just really are the industry leader in that kind of education. So I definitely go for them and their Facebook community is amazing. And then I'm also a part of Social Media United um, by Rachel Peterson, who is the she's amazing for social media management. Um, I just did her 10 days to 1K challenge. It's a 10 day challenge in LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And I got one new client and eight discovery calls slash meetings within three days of that challenge it was mind-blowing and I've gone to a couple of those meetings now and they're going to turn into actual clients it's I mean everything that she teaches is just she does it her she actually does social media management as well she's not just an online educator and so everything she's doing for her clients is what she's teaching and it's just it's just such good information it's A really really good one so those are probably my two for learning how to be a better marketing provider but if you're a small business owner and you're just like trying to learn how to be how to do marketing for your own business then find a resident marketing consultant find a freelancer Shameless plug, like I said, the marketing mentor just launched, and that's a low-cost marketing strategy service for business owners that want to do their own marketing but needs help with strategy. But really, any marketing provider or freelancer um, should be able to consult with you on an hourly basis and sort of help you hone your strategy. And that can be a really good way, a really good service for freelancers to offer as well to help broaden their
0: marketing horizons a bit yeah that's great. Um, I've actually never heard of the film marketer before I don't know why but I probably have I just like didn't look into it or anything but I'm interested in checking that out and I love Rachel um, I actually have something similar to what she's doing um, or I will be launching soon like a month of membership as like social media United but my amazing home course and I also do social media management so I was like okay this is really good yeah. cool to go. <laughs> So, um, yeah, that's really cool. And I really like her like model because that's kind of what I'm trying to model mine after, even though I haven't done her membership academy, but just kind of like having a go-to resource for people who are current or aspiring to be social media managers and, you know, put their job and work from home and, you know, yeah. so. Yeah. And then
1: my business coach. I mean, you got to have a good business coach. If you're going to be successful, they really are worth their weight in gold. It is amazing. My business coach is Stephanie from Bold Brilliance, but you know, find, find a coach that specializes in what you need. Stephanie's really great because she specializes in marketing. So she understands my business really well, but she also specializes in the finance side of things, which is not my specialty. So she compliments and contrasts me in really important ways. So if you're looking for a good business coach, find someone who compliments, contrasts you and your skill set the same way.
0: Yeah, no, that's really important. I think a business coach is a really great investment as well. I've had my fair share of them and they're, they've all been great and helpful for, you know, pushing me forward when I knew what I needed to do. I just needed someone to kind of encourage me that way. Yeah. So. Yeah. Really well, good
1: for validation, really good for encouragement, and a lot of those mindset issues we were talking about.
0: Exactly. Well, tell everyone where they can find you. So your website, your social media handle, and all that good stuff.
1: Yes. So I am based in the UK, and so my website is regalemedia.co.uk. I'm on Instagram at Regal Media and on Facebook as Regale
0: Media. That's me. Awesome. I'll link everything in the show notes so you guys can go and check that out and go give her some love. But yeah, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. It was great. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. You can find all the details from this episode by going to www.savvysocialhour.com episode 62. Make sure to join the Savvy Social Media Babes Community Facebook group for daily prompts, updates on the podcast, and more. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. You can find us on the web at www.savvysocialhour.com. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Savvy Social Hour and like our Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash Savvy Hour. New episodes will be released every single Tuesday and Thursday. See you next time.